Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I know that your inclination is to give me and the podcast credit for your success, but it was all you. Congratulations <laughs> on getting the gig. I don't want any credit for this job. I'm sure you took enough credit on your own. And what could have been the scoop of the year for your boy, I had no <laughs> clue that you were going to get the gig. If not for Alabama State, then where would I be? If you see a turtle on top of a fence post, you didn't get there by itself. This is the part in the game we have to take that next step. Yeah, you give me those 50000 in Legion Field, Magic City Classic, that last Saturday of October, and I promise you there's no better atmosphere in all of college football. It was truly a pleasure. Just talking sports is always a great thing, and, you know, Devin, you and I go back all the way probably to my uh, Alabama State days. We believe in change, and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, mama, there goes that man. You ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are joining us for this episode. It's going to be a fun episode. It's going to be informative, and I hope you settle in, relax, and get ready to enjoy it. And before I do all that, let me go ahead and send shouts out. Big, big shout out to all the people who are listening to us for the very first time, and even for the second time. Welcome aboard. We hope that you become a part of this community, and we become a part of your podcast menu and we have created ways and I'll tell you about that in just a second but we've created ways for you to be interactive but I also want to give a big shout out to all the people who are already active to all the people who listen to every episode who comment like share with family and friends so this podcast can be even bigger and more interactive and it's getting bigger so thank you for your word of mouth shout out to you guys Finally, I want to shout out to all the degenerate gamblers out there who couldn't wait for the start of even the majority of the preseason in the NFL to start their gambling. I'm talking about all the folks who made wages or played fantasy football, DraftKings or whatever on the Hall of Fame game. If you did that, you have a problem. But shout out to you anyway. Welcome aboard. We're glad that you are here. Well, before I tell you what's coming up this episode, let me tell you how you can be interactive and get more involved and immersed in the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast community, if that's a thing. But nonetheless, uh, you can give us a call. 24 hours a day, we set up a sports line for you guys. 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. You can call 24 hours a day, leave a message, a comment, a question, a suggestion, a, a request for us to talk about your team or your sport. Whatever you want to do. Feedback on things you've heard on this podcast. Any of that and all of that is welcomed, and you might just end up on the very next podcast. So you can be interactive that way. In addition to that, you can also go to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Facebook group page. Now, that is fun. People have uh, stories, and they post uh, things about their favorite teams, their favorite uh, sports. There are a lot of poll questions. I post poll questions there, and so we want you to be a part of that. And, of course, like the fan page. Also, comment. 
when you whatever platform you listen to us on, it's a big, big deal as it pertains to the algorithm. So when you like it or comment on it, those things have a way of, and I don't know how it works, but if, the more you do that, the more other people will hear about us, whether you suggest it directly or not. So uh, it's a part of it. You know, the algorithm has its way of doing things when you guys reach out and uh, make some noise about the podcast. So if you get a chance, do that. We certainly appreciate that. So. Football is underway, as I mentioned. And, I mean, when the grass is burning in Texas, it's a smell. If you play football in Texas, you know that smell. When that August sun hits the grass, there's a certain smell, and you know it's football season. Camps are underway. Texas Southern Camp is underway. All your NFL training camps are underway. So we have a lot of good stuff. And we're in the process of forming how we are going to do the podcast in the fall. It's going to be a very busy time. I'll be traveling with Texas Southern, doing some NFL stuff while covering the Texans. So it's going to be a very fun time, and we want to serve you, and uh, we're working on that now. So we hadn't been with you as much. But this time out, we're going to talk about some baseball, some Houston Astros baseball with a guy that many of you know. Some of you, well, if you're in Houston, you may know Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball will join us to talk about the Astros acquisitions and other acquisitions around Major League Baseball. In addition to that, with the passing of the legendary Bill Russell, we wanted to get some historical perspective, and we did that by including a conversation with a guy who was my mentor who got me involved early on, Leonard Moon. He is coming up to talk all about Bill Russell. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. In addition to those two conversations, we have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. We have a We the People segment where we hear from you guys. Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, will be doing his thing. And, of course, it all gets started with this. Some headlines. In headlines, there are a lot of things going on, but I normally pick out one or two things to talk about. And, of course, moving forward, we'll talk about a lot of football, preseason football, any injuries, things that are happening, moves that are made, and all the sort of movement that happens as you matriculate towards the start of the NFL season. So I'll get a chance to take an up-close look at the Texans. I'll see some Saints. I will also peek in on Deshaun Watson getting the start in preseason. I don't know what that means in the context of the entire season. Is this one of the few times we'll actually get to see him on the field or not? We don't know. I mean, a lot of stuff is yet to be determined with Deshaun Watson situation. So we'll comment on those things. And moving forward again, we will talk a ton of football. Football from here on out likely is going to be the case. And, of course, the big news in the world of sports is Serena Williams announcing her evolution towards whatever life after tennis is. For the rest of it, that means retirement. But she was reluctant to use that term, but she talked about sort of evolving. And it sounds like that means after this year's U.S. Open, she's probably done. And again, man, you cannot say enough about her as the most incredible female tennis player or tennis player, period, that we've ever seen. I mean, just revolutionizing the women's game with power and and really unapologetic power and athleticism. There's no one like her and how she plays and the way she plays and the lifespan of her career. I mean, and one of the things I think about, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago, we are at a time where we're going to see a say goodbye to a lot of uh, all-time greats. When you talk about Tom Brady, 
Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, in the not-too-distant future, LeBron James. We'll say goodbye to all of those folks as retirement comes knocking on the door for all of them. But when I think about Serena, I started to think a lot about Venus. And if you were around, you know it was Venus, 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 Venus. Venus was it. And, of course, everybody said, including Richard Williams, hey, you think Venus is something? Wait till you see my younger daughter. She has that killer instinct. And you think about what kind of career. I mean, first of all, you can't really be critical of Venus Williams' career at all. But can you imagine if Serena had not come along, what numbers Venus would have put up? So to have not one but two of the greatest women's tennis players ever is just a remarkable feat. And, I mean, just kudos to both of those ladies. I know Serena is evolving towards retirement, but Venus has not said anything about retirement. So she continues to play mixed doubles. I think both of them, uh, by all accounts, and even from them, say that how much they enjoyed the sport of tennis. But, of course, you get older, you have a family, You want she wants to expand her family. So uh, congratulations to her. The other thing I want to talk about briefly, the Astros. The Astros are better than the Yankees. So take that Reggie Brown, take that Eddie Robinson. They uh, have a half-game lead for the best record in all of baseball. So that's going on. We're going to talk a lot of uh, Astros, and that's coming up. Uh, some other stuff going on. They're saying that Philadelphia may be in on the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. I just think there's somebody in the NBA PR office just saying, okay, uh, we haven't talked about basketball in about 72 hours. Let's throw this one out there. But maybe maybe uh, Daryl Morey, the former GM at Houston for the Rockets and current GM for the 76ers, I don't put him past him. He will make a move. And that's one thing I always said about him. There were people who were really critical of the Rockets, but he made moves every year to try to make that team better. But those are some minor things. No major injuries other than on the offensive line of the Jets, but the Jets are not really a relevant team when you talk about the playoffs. Dwayne Brown does sign a deal to play there to take the place of a uh, injured offensive lineman, a major offensive lineman for the New York Jets. So other little stuff going on like that i'm also inviting you guys as i get ready to set up for our fantasy and our pigskin pick them and you can check in on that we will definitely definitely get into that and we want to get you involved we'll have a number of folks from houston media involved some tv folks some radio folks it's gonna be a whole lot of fun so that is definitely definitely coming up For more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, we hear from you guys, either through poll questions on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Facebook page or on the sports line, 832-941-6614. Let's see what we have this time out. Hey, Devin, it's Melissa. Um, you asked us to call in about the suspension of Deshaun Watson. And I think that the suspension that was handed down was not enough. I think it should have been for more games. I understand that in the court of law, he may not have been proven or found guilty, but it was just there were so many women and so many stories that sounded so similar. 
and his behavior seemed it just it wasn't right and he has to know that this is not appropriate and i mean at the end of the day he is a, a person in athletics professional athletics and people do look at him a certain way because of that and because of what kind of player he is whether the athletes want to be seen in that type of light or not they still they are and people do look up to them and not to say that they need to be above everybody else but i mean at least to i don't know got to carry yourself a little bit differently i guess I, i'm not really sure how to state that but i think that there should have been more suspension now uh, at the same time i realize that there are other players that this didn't happen to and they did not receive um, any punishment when they did or were it came out about inappropriate behavior that they displayed. Um, maybe this is the beginning and people will, I mean, the athletes will change and, and do something different. I guess you got to start somewhere. It's just unfortunate it has to be Deshaun, but his actions were his actions. Anyway, um, have a great day. Thank you so much, Melissa, for chiming in. We always appreciate your takes. You are very thoughtful in how you approach these things. Regular takes, not just something as serious as these Deshaun Watson issues. Obviously, a couple of these calls I got were before the NFL appealed the decision. So this was probably right after the initial decision. Six games is not enough. I think the NFL felt like a lot of people felt Exact, I'll feel exactly like Melissa feels. So um, I had devoted an entire briefcast to Deshaun last time out, and I'm kind of, I was kind of boxed in by precedents uh, set by the NFL and what they've done in the past, and, and sort of along the lines of Sue L. Robinson. On one hand, you're like, okay, well, how much could you possibly give a guy who will not face criminal charges? And have really dispatched of 23 of 24 civil issues. But on the other side, you got two years of negative headlines that is costing this $9 billion corporation negative attention. It's, it's costing them money. And it will cost them money depending on how this thing plays out moving forward. They are dependent on female participation and viewership. And all of those things. So they, they they want and they understand the importance of that market as it pertains to their product. And one thing they do not want to do is alienate all the female fans out there. And not just female fans. I'm sure some other folks will be supportive of not giving money to the NFL if they don't handle this correctly. We see this all the time depending on whatever's going on in the world of sports. But I'm, I'm sort of, you know, on one hand, you say, okay, what could you possibly do? But on the other hand, I feel like everybody ain't lying. And I do think that he has some inappropriate behavior. I mean, really inappropriate behavior. Now, it didn't rise to the level of being criminal, but he, he has done some really just out there kind of stuff, if you believe it. And I believe everybody ain't lying, bro. Everybody is like all of them ain't lying. It's just too many of them. It's too many of them. And so when you see this, not only, I mean, she brought up punishment of the past. The issue with that is that was before me too. When all this me too, like Big Ben and all that stuff, that was before me too. Now me too is a game changer on every level in our society, not just for football players. So I say that to say, if I had to pick, I would, I would lean a heap 
it's hard for me to say. I, I don't want to say he. I mean, it's hard to imagine him playing this year. I mean, that's a lot of stuff that happened. And if you read it, and most people haven't, and see, and I also think the people they root so hard for a guy like Deshaun Watson, and, and I am a huge Deshaun Watson fan. You want him to be everything that you thought he was. This, this I mean, and he's a human being, first of all. But you, you do like the fact that he was humble and, and excited to work hard and represent and, and what he did for other people and how he's helping his family. I mean, just, he's a, it's a wonderful American story. And you want that to be true. But wrong is wrong. If, if you did something, you got to have consequences. And America is like this. They won't deal with you if they don't feel like you've had enough consequences. If you go and and are adequately punished in the eyes of a lot of folks, they will root for you in the comeback story like nothing else. So I do. I would side with the the fact that yeah, he needs something needs to happen because everybody ain't lying, and I know people rooting so hard for him that they have created conspiracy theories, and it's this person's fault, and they knew what he was doing. But he was doing it, <laughs> apparently, allegedly, whatever, however you want to state that. But everybody wasn't lying. So, but it's tough when he wasn't convicted and he no longer has civil issues to deal with. But on the other hand, two years of negative headlines costing a $9 billion industry, that's going to get you some games. That's going to shake some things up because this can't happen again with, with him or anyone else. And I think what the NFL really wants is they want to send a message financially and they also want him to go to some kind of counseling. See, that's the way to rehabilitate anybody's image. Like, we want you to go through therapy, sensitivity training when things like this happen. And I think the NFL is in that playbook and they want him to see the error of his ways, but he he sticks to his guns. He said, I ain't do nothing wrong. I ain't disrespect anybody. But if you read the reports... Everybody ain't lying. Let's see what we have next. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, Devin Waits? Boy, Nate Jones. Just call me time in. It's a good day, man. We finally got the sign Watson situation. You know what it's going to be. Six games. I think they got, like, the Jets during that time. I think they played the Steelers without Big Ben or whoever they quarterback going to be. Mason Rudolph. I don't keep up, man. I just know Big Ben ain't there no more. And they got a few other slouches in so it shouldn't come out of this thing no worse than three and three. That's what I'm expecting. So when the sun come back week seven, it's on and popping. They face Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Hopefully he's going to be healthy. And hopefully they move that 12 o'clock game, which is scheduled right now, back to like 7 o'clock, 7.30 NBC prime time. That's what I'm, the season we all been waiting on. It's been a relatively long summer with just baseball. I'm sorry, man. I, I grew up liking baseball and everything, but I can't sit there and watch this game tomorrow, man. I'm just it's too much going on. But uh forward to seeing Deshaun watch it back on the field. Best thing that can happen to prime quarterback is to not be on the field getting beat up. So all this time, he should be getting better to show up and show out and put on a good show for Cleveland this year. I'm hoping they make a good little playoff run. I think they should make the playoffs. I mean, I don't see why they don't. They got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Hand the ball out to them dudes and move out the way, everybody. 
Thanks, Nate, for chiming in. We had some problems. I had to edit that to clean that up as much as I could. We had some connection issues on that call. But the gist of it is <laughs> the other side of the coin, and there it is. Like, like you have those people who – and if you just talk about strictly football – Who's available when they're available and what would that look like on the field? That's a different discussion. But that's what the NFL and a lot of people wish this process could have gotten to. Just the games. So we could just concentrate on the games because winning cures all and the excitement of the NFL. You know, all everything else gets lost in all of that noise. So that's what the NFL is dealing with. On one side, you got uh, folks like Melissa and, and saying, hey, this is not enough. This ain't right. And then on the other hand, you have the hardcore football fan. This is like, hey, let's move on. Let's play some ball. And if this is what it is, okay, we know what it is. Let's see what it's going to look like on the field. So there it is. That That's the quandary that the league is in. And we'll have to see what they do moving forward. But obviously, they appear to side more with folks who think along the lines of what Melissa said earlier in these comments. So with that, going to take a time out, come back. We are going to talk about the Astros and baseball with Mr. Baseball. And I'm going to tell you this, one of the best things about baseball is talking baseball. And we'll talk some baseball and a whole lot more. We still have Leonard Moon coming up with some historical perspectives on Bill Russell. And of course, we have on the minor ward. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere. You get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages six weeks to five years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Let me say this about Deshaun Watson. I, of course, I'm, I want him to succeed, and I don't think he's a bad person. I just think he's into uh, some off-the-beaten-path and it damn that got him locked up. So we all know people that are into some some off the beaten path. And if you're into the wrong off the beaten path, you could end up catching a, a case or two. And he didn't get locked up. And so in the eyes of the law, he is a, a free and innocent man. But uh, yeah, he did some of that shit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Well, I don't know. But nonetheless, look, let's shift gears because there'll be a lot of Deshaun Watson talk coming up. But uh, I want to talk some baseball because if you are in Houston, you need to celebrate the Houston Astros. And if you want to know more about the Astros, say you've not watched a complete game. Say you've not paid attention at all. Uh, listen to this conversation with Mr. Baseball, James Montgomery and I. And uh, I'm sure you'll get excited about it just like I got excited about it. Here's that conversation. Hey, 
as promised, Mr. Baseball James Montgomery joins us to talk about something that I've been excited about. You guys have heard about it on the podcast quite a bit. I've been talking about our Astros. I take ownership of any team that wins a championship in Houston. Other than that, I never say we, but when we talk about <laughs> championship teams, you put that we on it. But boy, it's an exciting time to talk baseball and the Astros keep rolling. A lot going on with them and a lot going on around the world of baseball. And I wanted to get your take on a number of things. First and foremost, welcome aboard. Glad to have you back on. Well, I'm glad to be with you, Devin, as always. You must like going to uh, postseason games and World Series, as it sounds like. <laughs> that, that's it. Hey, <laughs> hey, that is exactly, I like October baseball. That's what yeah, it is. That's a great feeling, isn't it? <laughs> You're right. So the Astros, they're rolling there, close to catching the Yankees, a half game back, but they made some moves. And I wanted to get your take and your perspective on some of those acquisitions at the trade deadline. And you talked about helping the bullpen, depth at catcher, adding another, really an insurance piece, but another piece for offensive contributions in Trey Mancini. Talk a little bit about what the Astros got at the trade deadline. Well, Jim Click uh, did a great job, I think, you know, in strengthening the team. And that's what you really want to do. At, at this point, Astros don't have to basically introduce themselves to anyone. They're one of the best teams in baseball. And I think what uh, he has done is that he has turned around and, and given Dusty not only more things to, to work with, but it adds that strength in areas that, as you say, that were definitely needed areas uh, in regards to the situation right now. I mean, when you look at uh, someone like, uh, say, Vasquez, Castro going down really sort of made them kind of think about this move because basically with him going down, you couldn't really depend on a rookie to go into the postseason and to give you, say, handle the pitches and to give you quality play behind the plate. So and, and to, not only that, he can hit. So when you look at that addition, you're really, you know, happy that now Maldonado has something and you, you feel like they'll be able to really, really strengthen that position. Mancini, you know, <laughs> what can you say about that guy? I mean, you know, he, his personal story by itself is enough to just uplift a lot of people. And, and tell us a little how. bit about that. Tell us a little bit about his backstory, because, of course, he's been in baseball abyss in, in the once traditionally great baseball town of Baltimore. Tell us a little bit about Trey Mancini's uh, backstory. Well, he's a cancer survivor. And basically someone that was really fighting, uh, you know, for his life, let alone to be able to come back and become, a, you know, a, get back into the game. Of baseball is a remarkable story within itself about his self-perseverance and his will to want to just go up in that, that never say die type attitude. But to not only do that, but to come back and to be a productive player as he was, you know, prior to his illness is even more remarkable for, you know, his particular story. And so for him, you know, he, you always talk about clubhouse fits. And this team, you know, the Astros for the last six, seven years have just been a real close-knit group. And to have someone like him come in really, really just boosts that because he's a versatile player like Diaz. He can play a little bit infield. He can play corner outfield. He gives you that insurance just in case 
Brantley, you know, has to really come back and come back slowly. Now you have a situation where you have the depth in the outfield that you can put Alvarez out there. You can put Mancini out there. You can move people around and give people Tucker. You can give guys a day off here and keep people fresh. So he is definitely an addition that uh, not only, you know, hey, welcome to Houston. What does he do? Come up and hit a couple of bombs right away and win a couple of games for yeah, you. Yeah, first three so, hits of uh, all home runs. Yeah. All home runs home run so yeah and to play in minute may park he has like you know just that minute you might might want to call that that crawford box swing you know it's short <laughs> it's compact and uh you know if you pitch him inside uh he's gonna turn on the ball and uh yeah he's gonna really have some exciting swings in that ballpark no doubt about that and i think really we lost the world series to Washington for one reason and one reason only in my mind. Well, it may be a couple of reasons. I don't think A.J. managed the greatest uh, series that year. But the thing that I think that really handicapped that team is that they had no left-handed reliever. And anytime you're in that situation, you're depending upon the odds of saying, I got right-handed people that can get left-handed batters out. And for the most part, we did. But when it came down to Washington and especially to good left-handed hitters like Soto, it showed up and we did not match up well because we did not have a lefty. Smith solves that problem. He's the kind of guy now, as we saw against us last year, you know, in, two, in the Brave series, that can come in, can get left-handed people out and still keep you in a ball game and give you a matchup that Dusty just didn't have last year and neither did Hinch in the, in the, in the year before. So uh, we strengthen our team is, is the bottom line. Now you just say one thing and one thing only. If this team can stay healthy, they should definitely contend for the opportunity to win another World Series. Well, and I want to ask you about Brantley because Brantley is one of the more valuable guys, not not only on this team, but in, in all of baseball. He quietly goes about his business. He's a professional hitter. He is a, a prototype of a guy who is a professional big league hitter. And at first, it seemed like the shoulder thing was just a minor irritation, but he hasn't responded. What is the latest? What are you hearing about Michael Brantley's health? Slowly but surely, they're not going to rush it because everything you just said is definitely accurate. He is one of the hearts of this team because he extends this lineup. We, uh, Dusty has, you know, tried a lot of different things. Right now, we have Guriel batting in the second spot. We've we've definitely, uh, you know, moved other people up there as far as Pena sometime. And and he's you, you need that kind of hitter behind Altuve because it sets the stage for Alvarez. And Brantley is perfect at that. And then so if you can do that now, that takes pressure off guys like Bregman. And it takes pressure off guys like Tucker because with Brantley and Altuve at the top setting the table, you're looking at you know Bregman, uh, Alvarez, and 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 Tucker, you know, and even Guriel if he can you know when he gets his swing. So it extends your lineup, and that's why this team is so tough, and that's why you know pitchers basically overextend themselves because they give you good quality at bats and any, and that's why they win. <laughs> that's why they win. So, you know, he is a vital piece and if he can come back and come back in anything like his, the form of who we know that, that Brantley is, all that does is just, you know, I mean, look at what they're doing without him uh, the last month, the month and a half. Right. I want to ask you, you mentioned Guriel who was uh, the AL batting leader last year and he's, 
dropped off dramatically. What are you seeing with him? Why is he struggling at the plate from your perspective? Because they pitch him different. When you get the report, everybody's scouted and everybody's researched. So you're going as a hitter, you're going to have to make adjustments. And last year, you know, they just kept saying that, hey, we can get this guy inside. We can get this guy with off-speed pitches on the outer edge, uh, hard inside, soft away. He proved that was not the book, and he hit him, and he hit him well, especially with people on base. So this year, they made the adjustment. He hasn't adjusted to that adjustment yet. He's shown flashes at times, but, you know, that's what make uh, great hitters great hitters. They keep making adjustments because the pitchers are not going to – if you're a good fastball hitter, trust me, they're not going to keep throwing you fastballs. (laughs) And when they do, they're not going to be throwing them room service style. They're going to move them in and out, up and down. And and he has not made that adjustment yet, and it's been kind of tough. And and as they say, if not the people around him, you know, have not really because Tucker has been up and a little down, up and down uh, around him. Uh, same, you know, with Bregman, up and down in around him. So when you have that type of thing going and, uh, you know, it, it's just tough, you know, it's just tough. But I expect I've seen a little bit more consistency from him lately. And now that, you know, he can probably get a day here and a day there off, it'll keep him fresh. And I think he'll probably put start putting good swings on, on the baseball too, because he's a, he's a natural hitter. I want to go back to uh, one thing that I noticed about the deal for Vasquez from Boston, the, the additional catcher, Corey Lee, who came up and showed some flashes as a youngster. Now they get to send him back, and then that preserves his rights for the Astros for another year. W- was that in play when they thought about making that move? Because clearly he has some offense. He got off to a, a nice little start when he was brought up. What, what do you think about that move? Uh, well, he had to. Like I say, he, he served a, a great purpose, and you have to tip your hat to the young man because when Castro went down, it put a lot of pressure on him. He's a year or two away from being, you know, where he really needs to be. And it's only because, you know, our staff. See, w- when you got a Verlander and you have, you know, uh, guys Oquiti, uh Javier, and these guys, uh, Garcia, they kind of know what they really want to throw and they know the game plan and they, and they can, you know, and Maldi is so good back there. He calls a good game to ask a young guy to actually still try to call a good game. He doesn't know these pitches. He doesn't know these hitters. He doesn't know these situations as well. And how can he? He's a kid. He's a rookie. It takes years in order to know that. I don't care how much scouting you do, how much film you watch, you know, in game time situations, it's just tough to to know how to and expect him to do that. So you don't put that kind of pressure on him. So they needed a veteran guy. They got a veteran guy. And, and it'll take Vasquez just a little while. He's a veteran, but he still has to learn these pitches, learn these situations. He knows these these hitters. That's not going to be a problem. And, he, of course, he'll go along with the game plan. But the, the bottom line is that that's a tough position. Up the middle is where you win baseball games. Your catcher, your second baseman, your shortstop, and your center fielder. If you're solid up the middle in baseball more often than not, you're in, in contention of a baseball game. Let's talk a little bit about the rotation. When you talk about, of course, a part of the trade for Will Smith was Jake Orderizzi. You had a six-man rotation. You are anticipating Lance McCullers coming back real soon and healthy. How does that play out? Who is the guy that may go to the bullpen in that situation, or will they keep six starters until they get to the postseason? How is that going to work? Yeah, they'll probably – you know, just try to work that rotation. What it does is that it gives every guy now another day off. 
And then you can look at the matchups as far as the teams you're playing, the other guy on the mound you're pitching against, and it definitely will lengthen that because you don't really know what kind of guy you're going to get back when Lance comes back. Is he going to be a guy? He's going to be a starter. You're not going to have him as a long reliever or a guy that's, uh, you know, a setup guy, anything like that. So you're going to come bring him back. You're going to see whether or not, you know, how, how he really just adjusts. But you can't expect him to come back and just hit the ground running. But you do expect him to come back and show that he's Lance. And, and from the early indications, it does look like he will come back and it does look like he'll be able to contribute. So we'll just have to see how that goes. But but it definitely means that guys like Oquiti, guys like Javier, guys like Garcia, those guys will then be into a situation where you'll, you'll, you know, you'll determine who gets an extra day here. Look at the schedule. You know, like they're just a tired baseball team right now. Yeah. Just the outside break. When you talk about playing 19 games in 18 days. That's tough on anybody, and you're going to get tired. So, uh, you know, you're going to need those guys that can come in and can still be able to give you some quality innings. And if Lance can do that, man, this this rotation will be awfully, awfully tough. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other acquisitions on the American League side. Obviously, the Yankees made some moves and uh, added. Uh, they had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk a little bit about what, I mean, uh, who's the best team in the American League now? Uh, the Astros and the Yankees. I, of the two, I mean, I, obviously you got time. You got, you know, a month, two months before you get to October. But who's the better team right now? The Astros. And you think because, they'll catch them for the best record? Yeah, because, they, look, I, now that will be determined. Uh, yes, I think the Astros have a, a, a an excellent chance of, of having the best record. Because you say there's only a game or two between those two. And if you look, the Yankees are kind of slumping a little bit right now themselves. They're going to be a tired team. And when you look at what's the, what is it, five and two against them this year? Yeah. And, and they were lucky to win the two. So uh, it's just something over the last few years that, you know, the Astros match up real well and they can beat those big mouth Yankees. I mean, they're not they're not intimidated from them at all when it comes down to head to head matchups. In fact, I think they look forward to it because, you know, the Yankees like to run their mouth and they made a lot of comments about the Astros uh, legitimacy in, in, in the 2017. And they've been running their mouth ever since and they've been getting their behind beat ever since. So. Uh, yeah, but uh, they helped themselves. And when they got uh, Andrew Benintendi, they needed him. They needed a, a, that kind of outfield depth, and, and I think he'll help them contribute. I think the kid uh, Harrison Bader and I think Frankie Montas, you know, the starter, will help them because they needed – well, the reason we beat them is that after Cole – the rest of those starters don't scare the Astros. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the, the reliever that they got, uh, Trevino and, and Scott Efferfros, they'll also be able to help because they had a couple of injuries at, at the back end of the bullpen. And that's where the Yankees, uh, you know, are, are going to, when we match up, more, and more than likely that will be the matchup. You know, six teams, for those may not know, they, they, they expanded the playoffs. So now six teams basically go in. And, and uh, you know, that's that's it. I, I have to almost have a Fred Sanford big one for that one. You know, cause base, <laughs> yeah. Baseball is not like basketball and football where they let half the league in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they know? want that money. That, they, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what they you wanted. Know, they, but they, they, well, they just took a look at it and they just said, hey, two more won't hurt. So the top two teams in the, will get buys and then the other four teams will, will play off to see who, who goes to see them. But Do you think that'll hurt the teams? Do you think that'll hurt the teams that had the, the no. buys because – 
you know, you, baseball is a game of rhythm and, and consistency and to have some time off. Uh, will that hurt, you think? No, no. I, uh, in baseball, because at, at that at that point, they played 162. I mean, they they're really and and I kind of like it. I, I I like the the one game sudden death, you know, because but after you, it, it does kind of hard to to play a whole season and then have it come down to one game playoff yeah. to determine whether or not you go forward. So to have now a series of two out of three, you know, I, it won't hurt. Some some of those uh, first round series will will go pretty quickly, and uh, you know we'll get into as they say, the baseball business. Last question I want to ask you about Juan Soto, a massive, massive shift in a, in a huge trade. He goes from the Nationals to San Diego, who already has a Machado and Tatis. I mean, just a, a lot of incredible, exciting talent on that team. But let's talk a little bit about Juan Soto. He turned down, what, a $450 million deal or something like that. Talk a little bit about what this guy is and what he'll mean for baseball moving forward. Well, Soto is uh, a young superstar. I mean, for his age and for the things that uh, I've seen him do on a, on a field, it, it's just something. He's 23 years old, and you're right. He turned down a $440 million deal. And, you know, I, I keep telling young people, you know, I don't know why you, you're sitting around here trying to dribble a basketball <laughs> and why in the world you want to knock your head upside the wall and get a concussion in football when you should be out trying to learn how to play baseball because you can play it for 25 years and you can definitely, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> earn a great living and they're guess what they're all guaranteed contracts so and what they do is that they see his potential the Padres really have helped themselves if they ever find some pitching as you said with the team that they have now and the guys that they can put around Soto it's just going to be something to see in Southern California but uh, his talent speaks for itself as they say you his maturity see him and and really, Jordan are, are are guys that are great performers. You know, for a young age, you you really don't see a lot of young players that are as mature. How they can make adjustments, how they they can hit right-handed pitching, they can hit left-handed pitching. They you know they're they're good in the in you know all around just ball players. And uh, he's that. So, uh, barring injury, uh, we'll be calling his name and, and looking at him uh, for many years to come because he's a he's a super talent. And uh, from what I haven't had a chance to talk to him a lot, but from what I've seen, he looks like just a you know a, a, a very good person. So uh, you know, hey, he'll everyone say, how can you give up that kind of money? Because <laughs> guess what? Uh, in more. two years, <laughs> he'll make five hundred and forty million. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, how's Dusty? I know Dusty has COVID. Uh, how's Dusty recovering? He's coming, coming along pretty good. You know, he's a, he's a warrior, no doubt about that. But you know, I think the hardest thing for him is that he can't wear his two. He put his toothpick in his mouth with that mask on. But <laughs> he, he'll be masked and 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 gloved down to the end here. But uh, yeah, he's coming around and and uh, hopefully you know, be able to get him back and, and get him going pretty pretty quickly here. But, uh, yeah, definitely we need him back because, see, he didn't get a break. 
And, and, You're right. And when it, right. The, he, the, the season, I mean, he, he worked it all the way up to the All-Star break, and then he's the manager for the All-Star game. And so he had to go into that. And then uh, through All-Star uh, weekend, then come right back and, and continue the season. So I'm sure, you know, he could. you, you hate for him to have to catch uh, COVID in order to quarantine. But I think the time, the four or five days or the six days or however long it takes for him to get back on his feet will do him a lot good too going forward yeah well like i said man we certainly appreciate the time and we look forward to catching up with you uh, are you on social media do you tweet a lot uh, how can folks reach you on twitter <laughs> or on social media <laughs> No, if they want to catch me, they have to catch Ralph Cooper, you know, at KCOH Radio at 12.30 a.m. What time? Uh, at the source uh, between 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock. And uh, you catch Ralph, you catch baseball. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate the time, man. Love the baseball talk, man. You're making me more excited about the season just by having these kinds of conversations. We look forward to visiting with you down the stretch. Maybe get some insight as we go into the playoffs. Well, I look forward to it, as they say, because, you know, I've, I've felt, you know, just to be able to when you uh, go around, the, you know, the, these cities, the baseball cities all these years and, you know, used to go and you go to, a, you know, some of these cities and you might see 100 baseball fans in the whole stadium that has Astro gear on. And now when you go to these cities and you go around the country and you look, you have thousands of Astro fans <laughs> all around the country, folks. I mean, this isn't just something that we like here in Houston. We have national fans that really do like us. And, you know, you, you hear about the ones that boo us and the ones that say those things that they've been saying about us. But, you know, it's something about beating respect into uh, when we walk in the arenas now, you hear Aretha Franklin in the background, <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That's it. <laughs> and it's a good feeling and hey we're very blessed to have a good team good ownership from top to bottom so hey let's just get out there and do what we do best and that's win baseball games and have a lot of fun thanks so much for your time we certainly appreciate the conversation all right well thank you Devin, and hey man you're doing a great job you keep up the great work over there thank you so much to have your comments heard call 832-941-6614 wasn't that good stuff? Man, thank you, Mr. Baseball, for chiming in. Weren't you excited about that? Doesn't that get you fired up for baseball? Doesn't that make you excited about the Houston Astros and the postseason and all that good stuff? I'm telling you, man, baseball is it this season. We need to be paying more attention. There's some great stuff going on. You need to be paying attention to that. But the good stuff is not over because we have more good stuff coming up, including on the mix, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and, of course, some historical perspective from my mentor, Leonard Moon. He's coming up to talk Bill Russell. And, of course, the Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. All that and more. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. 
Check him out on SoundCloud and on Instagram, DJ Anarchy, and around town. He, he puts on a number of events. It's a vibe, y'all. That's my that's my hook for him. It's a vibe. You got to check him out. It's a, always great events and just wonderful environment. It's a vibe. That's all I can say. But if you're interested in having your music played on the podcast, just email us. Music at WadesWordProductions.com. That's music at WadesWordProductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. Just send it, and we hope that it's relatively radio edit. We want it to be mostly clean. If you're a DJ and you have a mix you want to share with us, you certainly can. In addition to that, if you're a fledgling artist, it doesn't matter if you play the ukulele or the banjo or the spoons. Whatever it is, we got you. And we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and the entire track at the end of the show. So with that, before we get into our conversation with Linda Moon, you know it's that time of year on ESPN where they are showing Little League Baseball Every day, all day. I mean, I'm like, who in the hell is watching all of this Little League Baseball? See, I'm old school. I'm from the generation that is used to seeing Taiwan, Taipei beat the hell out of the United States every year in Williamsport. I mean, it's just every year, same thing. We will put up America's best, and Taiwan, Taipei will come and beat the hell out of the United States. And I remember when we finally beat them in modern Little League history, it was like the miracle on ice, the miracle of Williamsport. It was like when the United States beat Russia in the Olympics in 1980. I mean, it was like, whoa, they actually did this. Let's throw them a ticker tape parade. Now, I don't know what's going on, but I do want to congratulate the Pearland Little League. We've had a couple teams from this area, including a number of them from Pearland to make it to Williamsport. Good luck to those young fellas, but I'm not going to sit there and watch 27 Little League baseball games. I don't know what that's about, but hey, more power to them. Football season is just around the corner. So with that, let's get into our conversation with a guy again who, and and I've stated this several times, and I always want to give him credit because uh, when I first started out 30 years ago, it was me working with Leonard Moon. It was first, first it was me, Leonard, and Vince. And unfortunately, Vince Kennedy passed away. And I, to get me ready, Leonard Moon had to, to get me up to speed. It took me a few games. And we worked for a number of years together. I learned a lot. And we had a lot of great conversations about sports, about life. And uh, again, he's just been an all-around positive influence in my life and gave me opportunities and, and gave me room to, to grow and do my thing. So I'll, I'll always be grateful for him but he does his thing as a great writer and he also has an archive that's unbelievable with conversations with folks that are just i mean it, nobody else has the stuff that he has but we had an opportunity to get his take on bill russell and, and here is that conversation As promised, a visit from a guy who's been a mentor to me. He's a a sports historian. He's 
He's spoken to just about anybody and everybody you can name. He's a great writer, great broadcaster, a guy who taught me a lot. And I wouldn't be here today without some of the contributions he made in me early on. Leonard Moon, glad to have you on the podcast. Hey, what's good, Wade? Hey, man, before we get started, man, I want to thank you for your contributions to that Robert Bazile Hall of Fame campaign, man. Uh, we certainly appreciate your contributions, man. It took a lot of pieces such as yours in order to make the hole to get him through. Well, like I said, uh, you do good work behind the scenes and not, not enough people know, but those who know, know. And that's why I turn to you when uh, the subject of Bill Russell came about. I wanted to touch base with someone who had a, a more historical perspective because, you know, what's been wonderful about, unfortunately, came after his passing, but a lot of folks are showing a lot of love that Bill Russell didn't get in life. Talk a little bit about what he really was as a basketball player, and then we'll get to the off-the-court stuff. But what was he? Describe him and his career as a basketball player. Well, Bill Russell was one of the first players in the National Basketball Association to implement defense in order to ignite the offense. Uh, Bill Russell played with, with intelligence that the league had never seen before. Bill Russell not only blocked shots, Wade, he blocked shots in the form of a tap to a teammate that would ignite a fast break. And he played with intelligence. The Boston Celtics had never won not one championship before the arrival of Bill Russell in 1956. And once Bill Russell arrived, the next 13 years, they won 11 championships in 13 years. Keep in mind, this team had never won a single NBA championship prior to the arrival of Bill Russell. And the thing that really used to get under my skin, especially in more contemporary times, is that I hear this Mount Rushmore of NBA greatest players and you know some of the uh, standard bearers of the National Basketball Association. And certainly, I have nothing against some of the players' names I hear, but if the conversation doesn't start with Bill Russell, I tend to tune it up. I mean, these guys are not really talking about the NBA that I witnessed. Right, and, and one of the things, one of the narratives that seem to take off is that in that era... Chamberlain was the better individual player, but Russell was the had the better team. Talk a little bit about that narrative and, and what's right and what's wrong about that narrative. Well, I would say what's wrong about the narrative is that the reason these guys were good teammates is because they played with Bill Russell. He made their, their jobs so much easier. I mean, Casey Jones, you know, who was a teammate of Bill Russell at the University of San Francisco, you know, who won you know national championship. Well, in back-to-back years, 1955 and 1956, you know, as teammates at, at University of San Francisco, was a good player, but he was not a Hall of Fame player had he not played with Bill Russell. I mean, the same thing with um, Sach Sanders and some of these other guys that wound up you know, being extremely good players, but they were exceptional players playing with Bill Russell. And Bob Cousy, I mean, let's go with him. Cousy, a great player. Cousy would have been a Hall of Fame player with or without Bill Russell, but with Bill Russell, you know, he became you know one of the top two or three that would play. So one of the things that I always think about when I see old basketball players not getting their due is that, you know, the NFL Films has done such a tremendous job of keeping their archives, and you could go back and see footage, and then a lot of times you can see color footage of the greats, and so you can go back and see that. Of course, the NBA didn't have anything like NFL Films, and I think that uh, because of that, 
they didn't get the exposure. You can't go back and see clear, crisp video of, of the greats because there are a lot of players that I've never seen. You hear about them, but I would love to see more Oscar Robertson games and, and see him in action. I mean, you, there's some things out there, but not clearly enough. How do you think that affects how these uh, the legendary basketball players of yesteryear are perceived? Well, I think it has a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, Sports Center wasn't invented yet. You know, where Sports Center tends to focus on the highlight reels, you know, the Dr. J's flying through the air, the uh, Kobe Bryant's, you know, flying through the air, you know, et cetera, et cetera. LeBron James and his antics, you know, and, and uh, Magic Johnson with the no look pass uh, wasn't invented yet during the time that uh, Bill Russell and you mentioned uh, Will Chamberlain and, and Jerry West, the NBA logo, you know, who was a load. You mentioned Oscar Robson, certainly one of the greatest players all-around players never played a game, you know, missed a triple-double, you know, before we ever heard of, a, of a Russell Westbrook. I mean, but um, no doubt that had a lot to do with it, the exposure. The, the NBA playoff games, I want to say even as recently as when Magic and Bird played against each other, you know, Celtics and the Lakers, were played on tape delayed, you know, as opposed to uh, all of the coverage and all of the uh, exposure they have now. So let's talk a little bit about Bill Russell, the man off the court and what he did as it pertains to the fight for civil rights and dignity for black men and women all over the world, especially in this country. Well, well, the first thing that jumps out at me, uh, D-Wade, is the Cleveland Summit. The Cleveland Summit transpired in 1967. The Cleveland Summit was called the Cleveland Summit because it occurred in Cleveland, Ohio. The Cleveland Summit consisted of Jim Brown. Bill Russell, Lou Alcindor, later to be uh, named uh, Kareem Jabbar, uh, Willie Davis, who came from the SWAG, you know, came from Grambling, Bobby Mitchell, and a guy that I'm working with trying to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame even as we speak, a guy named John Wooten, who used to block for Jim Brown. And John Wooten is a gentleman that just recently retired from the Fritz Powell Alliance after spending 25 years, one of the co-founders of the Fritz, Fritz Powell Alliance. Of course, the Fritz Powell Alliance is synonymous with the Rooney Rule that a lot of your listeners you know, might be aware of. But all of these guys, going back to Bill Russell, uh, Bill Russell was certainly one of the leaders of that coalition that came to bat in support of Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was about to be sent to prison. This was 1967 you know, for his evasiveness of the, uh, the military draft for religious reasons. And... Jim Brown, of course, was the leader, but Bill Russell was certainly his lieutenant. But it just didn't stop there. Bill Russell used to march with Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, during the uh, civil rights marches and whatnot. And so, um, I mean, that's just scratching the surface of how connected he was. And keep in mind, Bill Russell was actually born in Monroe, Louisiana. So he's a Southerner like I am, a Southerner like you are. Right. And um, I think they moved to Oakland when he was maybe like in the fourth or fifth grade. But in his book, in Bill Russell's autobiography, you know, that's entitled uh, Second Wind, that was published in 1979. I remember, you know, purchasing the book and reading it way back there. He talked a lot about, you know, how gritty that segregation was and how, how rough of a time he used to witness his father going through and his father disrespected, you know, by the Caucasians in the Monroe, Louisiana area, calling him a boy in his face. And keep in mind, Russell was born in 1934, so you can kind of get an idea of the period of time we're talking about. And that was one of the main reasons that he that he and his family moved to Oakland to get get away from some of that that racism, that overt racism. I mean, but a lot of that went a long way towards shaping who Bill Russell would 
eventually become. And when you start talking about Bill Russell also, uh, D-Wade, Red Arbach must be given a lot of credit. Red Arbach had the gall to not, not only bring Bill Russell into the Celtics, because they didn't draft the Celtics, they traded for Bill Russell. I think the St. Louis Hawks drafted Bill Russell, but he traded for Bill Russell, and not only did he trade for Bill Russell, he quickly made Bill Russell the captain of his team, and the rest is they says history. So I know you've done, I mean, you talked to so many people through the years, interviewed, I mean, and your your archives are, are unlike anybody else's, especially when it, t- it comes to black history in sports, talk, talking about swag and all of those things. Uh, who have you talked to? Uh, do you recall any conversations you've had with people who had comments or talked about the greatness of Bill Russell? Uh, John Wooten. Uh, John Wooten that I reference earlier no he's the guy that we try to get into the pro football hall of fame as a contributor and he was part of that cleveland summit john wooten you know has glowing things to say about bill russell bill russell was one of those kind of genuine guys i mean he was one of those kind of guys man that if he gave you his word you, know, you can go ahead and, and deposit that in the bank john wooten probably more than any other individual because not only did he know bill russell you know they were colleagues and they were actually partners and part of that coalition that Jim Brown actually established, but Bill Russell was a big part of. So what is the biggest takeaway or the, uh, the biggest misconception you think there is about guys, not only like Bill Russell, but other guys of the, that era? Uh, you touched upon it early, man, just the lack of exposure. Bill Russell, of course, you know, with uh, his ability to, you know, shut down the painted area of the floor and to, you know, to start and ignite offense with his defense you know, Will Chamberlain, of course, was a guy. Had it not been for Bill Russell, man, Will Chamberlain probably would have been the dominant figure of that era. But because of Bill Russell, you know, Will Chamberlain could not get past that barrier. I mean, Will Chamberlain was a load, homeboy. I mean, anybody that's capable of scoring 100 points in a single game and average 50, let me say that again, average 50 points per game for the whole season. I mean, anybody that's capable of pulling that off, man, you know, doggone well, he was supposed to be dominant the dominant force rather in his era. And he would have been had it not been for William Felton Russell. So let me ask you, what was the key to, to Boston beating and, and Bill Russell's teams beating Wilt so often? What was the, what went behind that? I mean, obviously you talk about the, the, the other pieces, but like you said, he made those players better, but what was the key? Why was he able to beat Will Chamberlain, the, the dominant individual player of that era? How was he able to do that? If one would go back and look at some of those matchups between Russell and the Celtics versus, you know, Chamberlain, especially when he joined the Lakers. And I have to highlight that part because when Chamberlain joined the Lakers, they had Jerry West. They had the NBA logo was a part of that team. And that Elgin Baylor, who was also a part of that team, that was, in my mind, the, the original big three. I mean, but um, in spite of having that kind of firepower one, if you go back and look at some of those highlights, it was at crunch time that Bill Russell would let you know who's the most dominant player out here on the floor. I mean, Wilt, Wilkins, for example, could have been scoring, what, 40, 45 points or something that particular game. But when it came down to crunch time, Bill Russell was always able to block his shot and stop him at critical times. It was that time of the game and that time of the series when Bill Russell rose above the back. So you wrote an article a couple of years ago about Bill Russell. Uh, talk a little bit about that article and, and what was the, the premise behind uh, that article. 
Yeah, um, a couple of things, man, probably several things. Uh, one of the things I've touched upon, you know, where when it had personally, you know, gotten underneath my skin, where I wasn't hearing Bill Russell respected enough by these contemporary voices of the National Basketball Association. Uh, that certainly was one of the driving forces. And, and I'm hearing, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, who I have a world of respect for, who I did cover, in his career I did cover. Bill Russell, of course, came, you know, ahead of me. But um, Michael Jordan, three-piece, two different times, uh, six NBA final MVPs, uh, certainly the utmost respect from yours, truly. But Bill Russell won 11 championships in 13 years. And last time I checked, 11 was a greater number than six. I mean, last time I checked, my mouth is not the greatest, but last time I checked. I mean, I mean, so just the disrespect that I was hearing not attached to um, to Bill Russell's name. I mean, the conversation should start with him. And that was one of the motivations for it. I just had to get it off my chest. Right? You know, I'm the kind of guy, I'm a proactive type of guy, man. I, mean, I don't necessarily walk around holding it in. And so, uh, and so that was my release, but I had to get it off my chest. And got quite a few letters in response to that, uh, that article you're referring to. You know, another thing, you know, is that um, it it's, it's, has to be highlighted, man, that as great as the Celtic dynasty has grown to be, they had not won a single championship before Bill Russell got there. That says a lot. And, of course, I read Arbach was a, was a heck of a coach. Right. So where can folks reach out to you, read your, your articles, maybe hear some stuff from you? Where can folks reach you on social media? Yeah, I appreciate you uh, you asking, man. Uh, LennyMoonSports.com. You know, everything is pretty much packaged there. You know, the link to um, you know my podcast, the other social media entities that I have are all tied into or woven into uh, the LennyMoonSports.com. So uh, just tap into that and you'll be able to tap into your boy well you know we're gonna touch base with you on things like this where we can get some perspective and, and get some some historical knowledge because again you you've been there for a lot of it you worked hard to educate yourself on those who you didn't cover personally uh, you've just done a, a tremendous job through the years and uh, your expertise and your opinions are, are truly appreciated and uh, i'm so glad that you joined us this time out yeah, I appreciate you, man, and I uh, keep on doing your thing, man. As a matter of fact, um, for your audience that might not be aware, D. Wade and myself were doing Texas Southern you know, football broadcasts you know, back in the day. And during that same period of time, this guy that's the host of this show authored a book that I thought was kick-ass, man. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so you have some depth to you, too, man, and uh, you know, keep on refining those skills, man. And like what I've learned over the years, man, is that what you're doing today and what you, what you did yesterday is always getting you ready for that next big thing. No question about it. And I tell you what, we we sure did jam on the road when we on those long road trips. We sure, hey, we had you had the music covered. You had your, your box with your CD, with your no, not even CDs, cassettes. And boy, we we were rocking down the highway, weren't we? Yeah, I no doubt about it, man. I no doubt about it. And uh, at, at some point in the future, man, uh, that Robert Brazil thing that we alluded to earlier. Uh, getting this gentleman into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, along with uh, your boy, uh, Eddie Robinson uh, Jr. I understand he used to do some uh, work with you on your programming. You know, he was the guy that first you know got us together. That would be that would encompass a whole show. You and I had talked about it off the air, man, but. Uh, that that was a special occasion. We'll have to make that happen, and we certainly appreciate it. And we'll talk to you real soon. All right, man. I'll be, be easy. To have your comments heard, call eight three two nine four one. 
1-800-242-6614. Great conversation with Leonard Moon, and we will have him back to provide some more historical perspective on things. But he works behind the scenes. He worked very hard to help Robert Brazil get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He continues to uplift those who history tries to forget about. He keeps them alive. And I've been encouraging him for years to write about the history of the SWAC because he has conversations that no one else could ever get because a lot of the folks that he talked to are no longer here. But he really has a lot of stuff in his archives. But with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to a player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. And I, we do a segment, and I haven't done it in a while, but we have a segment on this show called Shots Fired. And it's really about sports beefs. So we've had a very unexpected, maybe even obscure beef that happened over NBA Summer League. Again, that's the NBA taking over the headlines. Well, DeJounte Murray, who was just a tremendous athlete, great guard, making noise in the NBA, he's a special one. You got to check him out. I mean, he's kind of been overshadowed by all the other things going on in the NBA. But I will tell you this, he's a, a really nice player. But he got into it with... The number one overall pick, a guy I thought, or we thought, was going to the Houston Rockets. I'm talking about Paulo Bancaro, who is really a, a really nice player. He went number one overall. That speaks for itself. He played at Duke. He's going to be a special one as well. Well, apparently, Bancaro dunked on DeJounte Murray in some kind of summer league game. DeJounte came back and kind of clowned Bancaro on the court. You know, as far as, like, bouncing it off of the backboard and slam dunking. And that's not where it ended. Because Murray went on to Instagram. And he really got after Ben Carroll. And here's a quote. Quote, you tried to flex on that number one pick-ish on me. When I've been rooting for you when you was a kid asking a rebound for me at Palo number five. Don't get on this internet saying nothing. You changed from the humble kid you always was, and I stand on real-ish, boy, and you know. You made it and changed, and I lost all respect. Stay humble. This life you in now is real and ain't no joke. I still want to see you win because that's who I am. End quote. So that is a, a dramatic characterization of what he said. So they went back and forth a little bit, but Ben Carroll really didn't go at him a whole lot. He just sort of had fun with the entire thing. I don't think that Ben Carroll thought he offended Murray when he slam dunked the ball on him. But whatever the case. So my issue with the quote from DeJounte Murray is this part. He says, this life you in is real and ain't no joke. And I'm like, Murray, are you talking about working at a trap house or the NBA? <laughs> you talking about you talking like you are just about to just open up on this dude. Like you you really in these streets living like this. Man, you talking about the NBA life, which anybody on any job would trade places to do. Let me go play basketball and stay in five-star hotels and, and private jets and, and get access to any and everywhere I want to go and make millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. So I'm, while you know, I'm sure the NBA is strenuous, it's not an easy life, it's not them streets. And for Murray to characterize all of that like it's some gangster shit, 
you doing too much. And for that reason, this time out, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> has enough money to just buy me just he has that kind of loot he has long 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 green <laughs> but again stay in your lane you know what it is it's the nba life it's caviar <laughs> and filet mignon and you know 500 600 bottles of wine whatever the sky's the limit so let's not act like this is on from you South Park or some trap house and you got to shoot it out every night. But nonetheless, having fun with that. Hopefully uh, he will make up with Ben Carroll. Ben Carroll is going to be exciting to watch and we'll keep an eye out on him. So with that, let's wrap it up. But before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, I want to thank Lennon Moon. I want to thank Mr. Baseball. I want to thank DJ Anarchy. I want to thank our sponsors, Brighter Brains and Cobank Homes. I want to thank uh, Melissa and Nate who called in. I want to invite you guys to call in 832-941-6614. Leave us a message anytime. Please join the Facebook group, Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Hit me up on Twitter at Wade's Word. And, of course, like, share, comment anywhere you listen to this podcast. And if you can't remember any of that, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> this has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.